Welcome to the Digital Transformation Show by Blurt, where we unpack what it takes for SMEs to transform their businesses through technology, leadership, and creativity. Let's jump into today's episode. Welcome to this episode of the Digital Transformation Show by Blurt. Today, as always, I am joined by Stuart, who is the founder and CEO at Blurt. Stu, how are you doing today? I am doing great. It's the start of a new year. The sun is shining in the southern hemisphere. Uh, the uh, the beaches are fantastic. Life is good. Can't wait to get into a great 2019. Absolutely. I'm extremely jealous. I'm in New York for our listeners who don't know. And we don't have sun or beaches really here. So <laughs> <laughs> it's very cold. So the I'm snow very, is falling. Uh, it's yeah. a beautiful Christmas. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. We it's it's been a fun Christmas for us, but I'm I'm jealous of you having nice, warm, sunny beaches. So anyway, to start this year off right, we're gonna we're gonna jump into an episode and basically, Stu, we're gonna cover what trends to look out for for in 2019. So why don't we just re- jump right in? Um, let's. How about you get us started? What are some trends we need to be looking out for this, this year? Well, uh, at the start of this year, we, we sat down and, and as a team, we looked at uh, what do we think um, the trends will be uh, across 2019. And, and when we're looking at trends, we're looking at business trends, particularly across uh, sales, marketing, service, and and how you can drive your business, and what could be happening out there in the marketplace that you probably need to be aware of and potentially take action um, mm. about. So, so we've identified uh, our top eight trends. Mm-hmm. I think it was eight. Yeah, eight trends, and uh, we're going to give you a highlight uh, reel across those eight trends uh, in today's podcast. That sounds good. Okay, well, let's. We have eight to go over, so let's start with the first one. Um, that first one yeah, before is. Before we do, maybe. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say maybe before we do, let let me just give all eight trends. Uh, so today we're going to cover, uh, and this is it. You ready? Drum roll. <laughs> the, uh, the 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 top eight trends that that we see affecting um, small to medium enterprise. Um, are this, uh, the rise, continued rise of augmented or artificial intelligence, let's just call it AI, um, the rise and importance of uh, data privacy and security, perhaps I should add to that the uh, complexity to that as well, facing business, the uh, drive of personalisation and, and really helping businesses and their marketing teams move from uh, personas or target audiences into personalised comms and what does that look like? Number four, the resurgence of brand and data-driven cre- creativity. Uh, number five, what we're calling classic content. Uh, stay tuned, we're going to explain that. Number six, the absolute need for simplification and why that's a particular trend uh, right now in the industry. And lastly, a trend we're seeing uh, which we're calling outsourced innovation uh, actually, that's not finally. One more. Uh, the the unification uh, of customer experience and employee experience simply just into experience strategy uh, to, to drive a business. Uh, so there, there you have it. There's the eight trends. Uh, maybe let's jump into the first one, Alex. Yeah, let's do it. So AI, let's jump into that, Stu. I'm going to let you let you take it from here about AI. Well, here's, here's our two-minute synopsis on, on AI. Uh, everybody has probably heard this topic uh, to death and uh, 
And you might actually be sitting there thinking, well, outside of maybe a Hey Siri or Hey Alexa, what's, what's, what's really going on and does it really uh, affect me? And uh, the simple answer to that is, is yes, uh, it, it does. Uh, the reason being is we're at this point in business where over the last 20 years uh, the, the, this unification and transformation of sales, marketing, service, finance, operations, uh, all into cloud-based systems and digital tech to, to bring data into a ginormous big single bucket that can leverage um, global tools like AI is in the hands now of small to medium businesses. It, it's no longer the domain of the big end of town. So today sales teams in small to medium enterprises are using AI to process leads, to respond to leads, to rank and score leads, to identify which customers uh, are the best fit for the best products, to, to help you bring efficiency and automation to your day. And so the only way you can really take advantage of that is by bringing your data into uh, single platforms, uh, platforms that allow you to build and grow and, and so AI is exponentially increasing the impact that sales, marketing, service operations can have on business results. And that's why, that's why we're putting AI still at the top of the list, uh, simply because it's, it's now in the hands of the everyday common person. Uh, and, and that's a great thing. Democratisation of AI is here. There aren't robots running around the office. Uh, will there ever be? <laughs> Who knows? But uh, we are all starting to use AI in a day-to-day basis. And that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. Yeah. Would you, would you break that down a little bit? I'm thinking, you know, I think I'm uh, thinking about the more common business owner or leader. And AI can be a little bit, uh, like you mentioned a little bit, it feels bigger than a small business or small to medium-sized business. You know, it feels like the Facebooks and the Airbnbs, they're using AI. But how do we practically, you know, how, how does a small to medium-sized business owner actually practically use AI? Is there a tool? Is there a, how, how do you get in at this level? Yeah, great. Uh, well, um, I'll tell you a couple of practical ways. I mean, the first thing I do when I jump in my car and drive 10 or 15 minutes uh, in, into the office is, is I'll say, hey, Siri, what's on my calendar today? And uh, the, the phone's uh, hooked up to the, to the car and, and, and Siri just tells me what's on my calendar today. And that's, that's a really simple function of AI and, and that's kind of basic AI that's, that's open to anybody with a smartphone. Um, uh, that's, that's kind of where we all live and start and we're, Many of us are probably used to using a Hey Alexa or a Hey Siri for, for HomePods and, and entertainment devices. But if we think about um, how a business leader uh, can... In fact, here's the funny thing. My phone in the background. I could uh, hear it. Saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Siri's responding. There we go. Um, we, need to, we need to still teach Siri uh, some context. Uh, don't talk when you're not being talked to, just talked about. Um, uh, Business owners, we, we live and work um, predominantly in, and, and our preferred platform is the Salesforce platform. So really common AI tools there, uh, Salesforce Einstein, which, which lives in your inbox, processing email, organising email, um, 
raising alerts on emails that have greater significance. So if a, if a senior executive mentions pricing in an email, well, um, my inbox tool is going to tell me that and, and, um, and score that. Uh, when I email with my uh, contacts um, that, that I do in day-to-day business, I don't need to um, process that email and put it somewhere in a CRM and, and file it. That's all done for me. Uh, if I need to organise an appointment um, with people, then I can send one email and the uh, augmented intelligence within the tool is going to help organise times amongst many people and and get that time locked away in everybody's diary. Um, if I jump into my CRM and I want to um, phone uh, prospects and want to know who the most engaged or important deals uh, will be, uh, what the most important engaged deals will be and therefore who I should contact, then I can I can use um, AI-based scoring on opportunities or AI-based scoring on on leads. And so AI is really performing a business function of helping thought leaders, thinkers, knowledge workers, professionals do things faster and with an edge that uh, you couldn't do without paying very high overheads for another person to be doing that function. So so at the moment, AI is really attacking and this is really for for day-to-day small to medium business owners, is attacking that admin layer, saying, well, um, okay, do you you really need that extra person for $50,000, $60,000, $80,000 a year performing those office admin functions? Because you know what? Um, We can now have machines doing that. So, um, you know, that brings in a whole bunch of philosophical questions, which is not the topic of today's podcast. But the, the benefits out of that, are you allow people to work more effectively and quickly and faster uh, without having to invest more capital um, for lower value-adding activities. That makes so much sense. And I, I think AI is one of those things you could talk about pretty much all day long. I mean, the opportunity and where it's headed and all that it could do. Uh, yeah, it's one of those things we could we could go on forever. So let's move on to the next point, n- number two, which is data privacy and security. Let's get into that, Stu. Yeah, th- this is huge. And if this topic hadn't been front of mind for you and, and if you're in business throughout 2018, then you've been living under a rock. So uh, we've had massive um, hacks, leaks, um, breaches of trust, uh, poor management, that the most famous being the, the, the Facebook-led dramas with Cambridge Analytica and, and Facebook opening up their platform to organisations that haven't used it in ways that uh, really uh, you would expect and, and trust. And so the use and abuse of data is at one end of the spectrum the data attacks and the commercial um, attacks that uh, go on against um, everybody from small to medium to large businesses is a daily occurrence. And, uh, and this has created a new frontier of, of security and, um, and security management. At the same time, because organisations now have more information about individuals and um, more insight into what people are doing and can easily store that information, 
uh, more individuals are more concerned about how organisations are managing that data. And uh, and so sometimes you're online and, and you marketing tactics feel creepy. Um, you, as, a, as a user, you're like, well, how did they get that? Why did they know that? Uh, I still get asked, uh, is Facebook really hacking our phones and listening to our conversations? Um, you know, some, there's, there's, whether they're true or not, uh, there's a perception and a feeling in the marketplace on one end of, mm, gee, I'm, I'm not feeling super comfortable in this new world, and at the other end, um, just outright uh, commercial terrorism where people are attacking um, data networks and trying to steal data. And, and so that's created this really difficult world where small to medium businesses do need to invest in order to keep up in the arms race with technology but do need to manage data privacy well and respectfully and conduct their activities with respect um, uh, as humans. But at the same time, they need to protect themselves and their customers from malicious activity. So uh, they're, the, they're the challenges on the broad spectrum of data privacy and security. And that's, that's a problem when you as a small to medium business owner to be frank, you're really you care about it, but do you, you do you stay up all night trying to um, build the systems and manage those things that keep people away? And and the reality is you don't, and you shouldn't. And um, and so it is a concern for business leaders. It is a worry um, around how they manage that. So so we, we've put it on a trend. It's not a happy trend. It's a concern trend. A, a challenge that businesses need to wrap their hands around. Right. Yeah, that's a really big deal. And I, do, I think you're spot on. I think that, that as a trend, we'll see people tackling that issue a lot more aggressively in 2019 um, because of the, you know, the huge compromise in, in data and privacy that we've seen over the past couple of years. So mm. I totally agree. So, oh, you want, want to say something yeah, else? Yeah, I think one, one point to make is, uh, again, it's one of the reasons why as small to medium business owners, um, software as a service is such a valuable proposition. Uh, when, when you can buy a small piece at a small price of a large infrastructure, uh, you know, I, I go to bed at night knowing that um, uh, it's, it's, there's thousands and thousands of developers at Microsoft Google, Amazon, Salesforce, uh, all taking care of business. And uh, it's a bigger issue for them than it is for me if they get hacked. Therefore, uh, I, as a small to medium business owner, um, I'm quite happy to line up behind their tanks, air force and military, to, to use a term, an analogy, uh, know, that, know that my customers are kept safe because they're keeping us safe. And... And it would be foolish to think that a team of a dozen people could do a better job of that than uh, a team of thousands and thousands. So um, that's where I think business leaders can work smarter, not harder. Gotcha. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. Number three, personalization. Mm. So uh, the, the, the dream of, of every marketer is to... Uh, is to have great awareness in their target audience to engage personally and effectively and create great customer experiences so that everybody buys and has a, has a wonderful time doing it. And 
Uh, that's Nirvana, um, which uh, clearly does not happen all the time. Uh, but what we are seeing is now the emergence from, and we're going to call it from the, the journey from personas to personalization. Uh, and uh, personas really play a huge role at the top of the funnel. Um, uh, over the last five, six, seven, eight years, marketing teams have, have translated traditional target markets, target audience thinking, and become more human through persona-based marketing. But it's about translating that persona-based marketing into personalization. And as as customers, B2B or B2C, move through the funnel, they move from being a persona to a person, being an audience we're targeting to an individual we know. And that's really important because at that transition, you want to manage the transition from persona-based communication, uh, talking to young families or young mothers or retirees, into individual communication and your tech stack needs to be able to do that and so we're seeing the early days of, of, of adoption in that uh, but that that trend is huge and I think a lot of marketing teams in small big large uh, groups are still struggling with that transition on, on how we do it and once again it's the relationship of your data to your strategy, to your creativity that allows you to manage that and understand that. So mm-hmm. we're, we're putting that up there at a number three. Gotcha. That no, makes a lot of sense. Um, okay, moving on. Number four. We better, we, we, we better speed this up. Hey? I could talk oh, forever on these issues. Oh, I know. They're uh, so good. Maybe we can do uh, some more deep dive episodes on each each of these a, as we move yeah, through that, the year. That, that's a good idea. And if there's something you love here, tweet us, chat us, uh, let us know. But um Number four is the resurgence of brand and data-driven creativity. Um, so let me explain that. Uh, as as uh, the digital world took hold, 210, 211, 212, 213, the emergence of uh, ROI-based, ROI so return on investment-based lead generation activities just absolutely took hold in marketing and and it was this great nirvana of saying, wow, now we can, we can absolutely connect AdWords campaigns with X number of leads, Facebook campaigns with leads, this activity with leads. Um, and so you could, you, could, you could really say that lead truly cost me 50 bucks or 20 bucks. Um, and and that, that pure, simple science just led to a boom in lead generation. And uh, what that brought about was a, an overspend in pure lead gen as marketing departments were able to justify their position and their spend really accurately and shift the pain point onto the sales team or to the e-commerce team to say, well, hey, uh, we've converted the lead, we've converted the traffic, uh, your job to do something with it. Uh, Often was it was a common uh, situation, particularly in B two B or high consideration sales. What we're seeing now, though, is a a shift back and a recognition that, gosh, three, four, five years of uh, of heavy lead generation spending has a cost on brand awareness, brand perceptions, brand management, and and we're seeing organisations, and we see this in the desktop research and and the research and the communication we have with clients that. It is about trying to balance how much do we spend on satisfying today's immediate need 
versus laying down marketplace foundations and perceptions and positioning, uh, you know, your more traditional brand. So, uh, and how do we do that effectively? So, so that's where the data creativity bit comes in. How do we not do that in a mass market approach, but in a a, a micro targeted approach where we're we're building brand perceptions into audiences or personas uh, very effectively? So we're, we're we're seeing the resurgence of brand thinking coming back as organisations feel that pinch of continually having to just drive leads to 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 satisfy as opposed to building strong positions in the marketplace and using digital technology to do both. And that's the difference. I think for a long time in digital tech, uh, digital tech was just used for the the lead gen retailing of activities and uh, traditional media was left to the brand building and uh, today it's about using digital tech for both and where's Mm. the balance. Gotcha. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, number five. You mentioned this one earlier in the episode, but let's dive deeper into it. Classic content. What does that mean? Mm. So when we, we say classic content, uh, what we're talking to is, is, is timeless content. And uh, so the trend uh, we're seeing but also recommending. So it's one of those ones where we're going, okay, we've seen it and we think this is now really important that uh, businesses should get a hold of. And, and that is that uh, if, if you're spending time and money investing in lots of content creation, which a lot of organisations do in, in the world of content marketing, if you're spending a lot of that time and effort in, in timely content, then it doesn't have that much long-term value. Yep. So what do, I, what do I mean by that? I mean uh, responding to something in the media responding to an issue of the moment a managing your social with uh with with a time timeliness context and engaging on things that are happening today and and if you're spending i guess the 80 20 rule 80 percent of your activity doing that you're only spending 20 percent of your activity building content that's timeless i.e uh, it's content that has meaning to that customer uh, or that that customer at that time of the customer journey, uh, this year, next year, or in three years' time, mm. and uh, and and that timelessness to classic content. So designing content for stage of journey, not time of day or time of year or time of week. Um, but that's probably a bad way of putting it. Let me say that again: designing content for time of journey versus uh, creating content to respond to a timely issue is, is a better way of putting that. Gotcha. That makes a lot of sense. Kind of like an evergreen evergreen content that, that has a lot longer shelf life, you mean? That's, a, that's, that's great. That's excellent. Um, that's the correct word to use, evergreen. And, and we've talked about that before in, in our um, episode. I think we called it uh, from... Uh, talking about brand publishing, so brand advertiser to brand uh-huh. publisher and the role of content. Uh, so if you want to uh, pick up on any of that, jump into that episode because uh, the important thing is here is if you can create high-quality content that can be reused time and time and time and time again, then the foundations and the strength of your marketing and positioning is is excellent. Yes, totally agree. Okay, number six, simplification. Hmm. 
So uh, we've had, I'm going to call it a generation now of technology investment and, and let's, let's call it generation seven years. So 211, 212 really spurred the, the uptake in tech investment, the arms race in sales and marketing. Mm. And so seven years later, a whole generation later, uh, we, um, we have charts put out which are awesome from groups like MarTech in San Diego that uh, publish, you know, single slides with 5,000 logos across a dozen to 20 sections of the industry from, from a MarTech point of view. We have sales tech charts and HR tech charts and fintech charts. We have more apps than anything you would ever want to do in life. Mm-hmm. And, and so <laughs> uh, Steve Jobs wasn't wrong when he said there's an app for that and there's an, even an app for not that. Uh, <laughs> right. So organisations in, in the race, uh, in the arms race of technology um, uh, are, are sitting on tech that is maybe not as well organised and as well aligned and as efficient as it could be. So the trend we're seeing is the simplification and the need for simplification. So two things on that spectrum. One is an overspend creating lots of tech that some of it you don't need. And the second is um, tech stacks that are too complex for the day-to-day business. And so um, working out where your line is, where your balance is in your organisation is really important. So, so the complexity is driving the need for simplification and uh, in simplifying the tech stack, that's the, the process and path to success. Gotcha. Okay. Number seven, outsourced innovation. Yes. So I, I love this topic and uh, uh, somewhat of a shameless self-plug to engage organisations like Blurt, uh, Dig Dig. Outsourced innovation. Um, there was a, a, a report published by um, Dimension Data uh, in, in one of their research studies that, that's quoted 60% of organisations choose to execute their digital transformation through outsourcing uh, or, or partnering. So what does that really mean? Organisations are lean, mean, focused on the operating efficiency and outsourced innovation is about saying, well, okay, we have a problem. We may or may not know how to solve that problem. Let's, let's hire a group like a blurt to say, hey, what are the potential ways of solving this problem? And so... That's different from implementing tech. Implementing tech is about best practice. Here's a CRM. Turn it on. Let's go. You know, it works. It does it, etc. Outsourced innovation is more starting to say, well, hey, um, could you maybe create value by solving this problem, and and using outsourced in, in innovation organisations through agile or iterative methodologies to say, come up with a solution which means the, the organisation isn't, isn't having to gear up overheads to do that or, do, or build expensive R&D environments. They can tap into external organisations and say, here's, here's some of our data, here's some of our product, here's some of our um, IP, do something with it. And, and when you've done something with it, well, we're going we're gonna to systemise that and build it back into our business model. So... If, if you want to hear more about that, we've talked um, in episodes around digital maturity and, and the growth of uh, or the stages of digital maturity. And so what we're really talking about is at that moment of laying down new 
business models and new products and services, uh, we, we outsource that innovation and we don't do it internally. Um, but as that's ready for systemization, then we bring it back in. And so uh, organisations are, are increasing their level of spend in that activity, um, which is a good thing because it, it, it de-risks it. Um, you get people working on it that uh, have multi-industry expertise or experts and, and you're, not, you're not carrying the, the weight of that. Absolutely. I think it's a classic, uh, you know, focus on your strengths and then hire out what you're not good at or don't know how to do. I think that's what makes uh, a a small to medium sized business really effective. If you get bogged down in stuff you don't understand or you don't know, you're going to waste a lot of time and resources when you could have just hired an expert from the beginning. So I think you're spot on with that one, Stu. Okay. (laughs) There you go. What he said. That was awesome. Uh, (laughs) We should just play that bit. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I mean, last. Yeah. And then I was going to say for the last one, this one's really big with Blurt and what we're all about. Um, And we've talked a lot about this on the show, but I'd love if you broke this one down a little bit as well. And that is number eight, the unification of customer experience and employee experience into one single strategy experience yes uh i i think uh the crux of this is every good leader just wants to create a great experience for their people and their customers uh and um as sales and marketing organizations um or departments within organizations have been trying to reinvent the customer experience the roadblocks or the challenges that they've come up against have not necessarily been marketplace issues but internal issues because in order to reinvent that customer experience it's actually not all about sales and marketing Mm. it requires sales marketing service operations finance contracts admin uh, fulfillment supply chain management all working together at the right time and point of the customer journey so so the, the, the reason why we put this on our, on our list of trends is after two or three years of, of organisations um, doing that, translating an amazing strategy into effective day-to-day systems is, actually requires mm. reinvention and disruption of the employee experience mm. as much as it does the customer experience. And yep. Uh, and, and I think that's the what, – what that highlights is um, sometimes the, the naivety to think that a customer experience strategy is just simply a sales and marketing program. It's not. It's, it's about turning organisations into customer-centric, customer-focused uh, groups of people who um, at every stage and touch point of that customer journey – a different department is is helping that customer achieve what they need to achieve, either indirectly or directly, and mm-hmm. and so that's why we've put this on on the list. Uh, you cannot do great customer experience without um, disrupting and and reinventing elements of employee experience, and vice versa. You you can't create a great internal employee experience uh, without consideration of the customer experience. And so, this is a maturing of that that skill set and knowledge out in the marketplace that we're seeing and a realisation that um, basically HR, sales, marketing service um, need to work together to solve internal and external challenges. Mm. 
that's awesome. I totally agree. And I think you, uh, you nailed it, Stu. Um, so those are the trends for 2019 that we think every small to medium sized business leader should be looking out for. And we're really excited for this year at Blurt. We have a lot of cool things uh, in the works. So thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Digital Transformation Show. Uh, we're excited to get started on a new year, aren't we, Stu? It's going to be oh. awesome. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, I I think uh, when I think back to what our customers were doing and what we were doing this time last year and what our customers are doing and what we're doing this time this year, I can only imagine uh, some of the, the really good things uh, that we'll be doing this time next year. And uh, and that means that this year will be a year of, of challenge, of opportunity, of wins, of losses, of learnings, and uh, they're all good things. And uh, we, we look to this year with great optimism, actually, uh, because we see organisations really maturing in, in their tech and getting a handle on it and, and getting out of the tricycles and into the speed bikes and the BMX and having a lot of fun, if I can use that analogy, mm. uh, and, uh, and really maturing. So, And that, that, that means that they're doing great things for their customers. Absolutely. I totally agree. So that'll wrap it up for this week, but we'll be back next week with another new episode. So in the meantime, our dear listeners, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and review to help spread the word about digital transformation. And as always, as Stu mentioned earlier in the episode, you can find us on Twitter at Blurt underscore loud, and please send us any questions either about this episode or any other questions you might have about digital transformation. And we'll make sure to get to those on an upcoming episode of the podcast. So until next time, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Digital Transformation Show by Blurred.